Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Carol G. Juan Gabriel. Christina Aguilera. What do these three have in common? You mean apart from impeccable style, chart-topping canciones, and drama? Facts, yes, all of the above are correct. But most importantly, they're some of the biggest Latin icons in the world. And they're just a few of the game-changing Latin stars we're covering in Becoming an Icon Season 2. Listen to Becoming an Icon on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. Hey there, welcome back to the latest edition of the Book of Joe podcast. I am Tom Verducci, and today we are going to be talking about how to win in October. We're at that point of year, folks. We've got less than two weeks left in the season, and playoff spots are still up for grabs. Teams that have them are getting ready for the postseason. And who better than my buddy to talk to? The only man alive who has brought the Chicago Cubs to a World Series championship. Talk about knowing how to navigate October and the final weeks of the season. Joe Madden. Joe, how are you doing today? Good morning, Tom. That's quite an intro right there. But I tell you, it is the, it is the most fun part of the baseball season. Um, you go to spring training. You talk about this all the time. You work all those different months, uh, April, May, June, July, August, to be in position to have September matter. And then you get to this particular juncture, and there's no more fun uh, for me professionally than to be in the playoff hunt race. And then eventually getting there, I just texted Brandon Hyde a couple of days ago. So happy for him and the Orioles. But yeah, it's the best. It should bring out the best in you. And I really, uh, on an annual basis, loved it. All right. I bring this up because we have to talk about the Atlanta Braves. I think we can all agree that they've been the best team in baseball this year. 
they are the odds-on favorite to win the World Series. Mm-hmm. Um, but I talked with Alex Anthopoulos the other day, the general manager, president of baseball operations for the Braves, and he talked about how by having such a big lead in the National League East, and they've been up by double digits by a couple of months here, they're better positioned for the postseason than they were last year when they put the pedal to the floor to run down the New York Mets, came from 10 games back to win the National League East. And then they show up in the National League Division Series against the Phillies, and they get their doors blown off. And according to Alex, their starting pitching was gassed by the time they got to October. He felt like the series, penultimate series of the year against the New York Mets was a playoff series. And they spent too much fuel, essentially, and didn't have the same kind of stuff. We're talking about Max Fried, Spencer Strider, Charlie Morton, same top three in their rotation this year. So he feels better about how the Braves are entering October this year. And I've got a message for him. It's not true. I I know people love to talk about this, Joe, Mm -hmm. but there is no preferred path to winning the World Series. It doesn't matter if you're hot. If you're cold, if you're tepid, I think that what what matters most is if you're healthy more than anything. For every cold team that had a bad September, I I can tell you that I can find teams that won the World Series. For every team that had put the pedal to the floor in September, just barely got in, I can tell you they won the World Series. So, listen, I know as a general manager, you may have a preferred path in your mind, but history tells us, it really doesn't matter. It's a complete reset in October. And yeah. uh, Joe, feel free to tell me I'm wrong here, but I've seen it work both ways too many times. Well, I've been involved in both ways, actually. This 2016 uh, Cubs, we we clinched uh, well well in advance of the playoffs. And what I did was I treated the last kind of almost two weeks as though it was spring training. I went on record, said it out loud. Meaning that uh, the pitching, the bullpen, I would utilize specifically almost as though it was an assigned day for somebody to pitch. And that way um, they got the regular work in. They did not get abused in any way. And then I thought we thought that gets getting to the playoffs, to the actual uh, NLCS, whatever, that we were good. We're in good shape. And then felt as though you could use them more consistently, more often, because we had given them a more recent rest. Is that true or not? I don't know, but that's what we did. And there's other times that uh, you did. We did run out of gas. Uh, perfect example for me was the 20 was it 17 series against the Nationals. I don't know if you remember that. Yep. Uh, we beat them. One of the big plays, and that was when Javi's backswing hit the catcher, uh, his glove, and the ball flew out. And Jerry Lane didn't notice that, and that was not uh, replayable at the time. Um, but that series there, that was hard fought, man. I tell you, that's one of the most proud moments I've had as a manager is that series against the Nationals to beat them. They were very good. They got it. They had everything. And we beat them. <clears throat> and um, the problem there was we had to fly to L.A. and start playing the NLCS and had to land in Albuquerque with a medical emergency on the plane. The next day you get there about noon as opposed to like at night. You had to spend the, on the tarmac from 4 a.m. to like 10 a.m. the next morning waiting on new pilots. And they were just we were just we were fatigued. There's no question we were fatigued. Uh, on top of that, Wade Davis pitched two, uh, right around two or two plus innings to get us there. So there was a certain level of fatigue there that absolutely was recognizable. So, and you could go back to the Rockies when they made that historic run several years ago and they just would not, they failed to lose. And then, of course, uh, the Brewers a couple years ago, then running down us with the Cubs. But I'd prefer having a, at least a, a couple of days. Maybe I'd say if you could clinch with a week 
just to get your pitching in order. That's that's the perfect situation to be in. Uh, that's just that's how I look at it. It's not necessarily running people down, whatever. Just get it done with the week left that you could set things up, give people the appropriate rest. That's optimal. And if you can't, I, I still think there is a, a a threat to you know mental and physical fatigue. Depends on your group, how hard you had to push to get there. You're you always have great examples, and I'm not disputing that. It's just a matter of having lived it. Um, wild card teams have gone all the way. The the twenty the two thousand two Angels was a wild card went all the way to the World Series and won it. And then a, a division winner with the Cubs, same thing. So, again, I, I think it's unpredictable, like you're saying. I would just say preferred method, clinch with about a week to go, and you could set things up a little bit easier. All right, let me give you some numbers here. You mentioned your 16 Cubs team. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one of 12 teams since 1999 that won the division by 15 games or more. Okay. Obviously, that's a... It's a huge lead, right? You, you cruise to the postseason, you win your division by more than 15 games. Mm-hmm. Right. And your Cubs are one of those 12 teams. How did those 12, I'll call them super teams, do in the postseason? Eight of them got knocked out in the first round. Eight of the 12 teams that won their division since 99 by 15 games or more got knocked out in the first round. So your Cubs are one of three teams that went on to win the World Series. Uh, also in that group, the 22 Astros last year and the 17 Astros. Mm-hmm. So what was it about your Cubs group, Joe? Because I know you just talked about almost treating it like spring training in terms of workload. Your team still went 18 and 11 in September when the games essentially were meaningless. You were 22 and 6 in August when you had a double-digit lead. This team got better <laughs> and kept winning games even when essentially the division was in hand. So what was it about that team? Well, I'm going to, I'm going to roll back the tape prior to that. It's something I've always believed in, and that's to not tire the guys out during the course of the year. I always wanted my teams to finish strong. And a big part of that is to give people the appropriate rest before you get to that uh, juncture in the season. Um, I've been involved in a lot of teams that have done well later in the year. And again, it's based on that uh, rest, um, and I know a lot of people don't want to hear that, uh, but I'm, what I mean about rest, uh, like position players, everyday guys, I've talked about this, taking advantage of a day off and then giving them a day off before or after the day off to give them two consecutive days off, as an example. Um, starting pitchers, um, you know, there was, I don't, I don't think we did this at all, but I know with the Rays, um, I can't remember the specific year, but I know we went to six men, and this six man rotation, to, I think to include Alex Cobb one year in order to just give our starters somewhat of a, a blow at that particular time. Relief pitchers, just really paying attention to their workload as you get later in the year and really try not to overextend anybody at that particular point. So the word rest, I mean, it's, it's all proactive in front of that, I think. And then uh, you get to that part of the year and your guys have some uh, the freshness about them. Today's game, there's a lot of choreography going on before the game where there's a lot of work going on on the field. It's almost like an instructional league. Whereas that stuff to me should be taken care of in the minor leagues. And if you have to wait longer for a guy to get there, fine. But make sure he has all of his major league abilities uh, and methods in place. So uh, there's a lot of that going on now where I was opposed to that. I I don't like a lot of pregame, especially latter part of the year. I like guys to report later. I like like less swings. I like less everything uh, you're in progress in order to keep the guys fresh for the game that night. It's always been a big part of, uh, my philosophy, I've seen it. This goes back to when I first got to the Angels um, as a young man, a young coach. 
And gosh, we'd get to September, we would absolutely be horrible. Be gas. We used to hit an hour a day uh, at home and on the road, or not on the road because you couldn't get the field for an hour, but a lot, an hour at home, and then a lot of extra work, a lot of extra hitting. There's arm weariness to be had here, I believe. So I, I just, I like a better method for me, a more controlled method. Um, uh, choreography, having guys out there doing groovy drills is one thing, but to, to really keep your mind and body um, rested and well is another thing. Right now, I don't even know how this speaks to, I'm looking at the records of teams that are in playoff contention. And a lot of these guys are just going to get barely like 85 wins possibly, which, you know, in my mind, that doesn't even, doesn't even get you close to playoff baseball. And I, I think to some extent, the methods employed have something to do with that uh, regarding work and, and the amount of information presented to players before a game, I think is absolutely way too much. And they're unable to process all this stuff. Okay. Last point. I mean, I just, like I'm saying, I, it's rest. It's not changing your methods. It's throwing out nuggets and not and not uh, pamphlets in regards to what you digest before a game. Make sure guys are rested and well. Uh, change your routine up. Don't like it. Don't make it be boring. Don't make it be the same thing every day. And then eventually, I think you get to that point where you are fresh in the latter part of the year. Let's talk about these Atlanta Braves because it's the 23 version of the 16 Cubs mm-hmm. in that the division has been put away for a while. The difference here is they are not playing well in September. The Braves in September, eight and nine with a 6.14 ERA. You can have a bad September and still win the World Series, certainly not ruling them out. The St. Louis Cardinals went 12 and 17 in 06, and they won the World Series. It's the worst September ever for a World Series championship team. So it probably doesn't matter, but they look, begin to look a little more beatable to the to their opponents and when i look at the braves joe i think they're going to hit home runs and nothing changes a game like the home run and i think the lineup is just too deep you can't go into a series thinking you're going to keep them in the ballpark um you know this year they're 35 and 35 when they hit one home run or no home runs so you got a chance but you just can't count on holding the braves in the park they're just too deep So how do you beat the Braves? I think it's like last year at the Phillies, Joe. I think you beat their starting pitchers. Mm -hmm. And we're starting to see some attrition in September here. Kyle Wright's still working his way back. Charlie Morton has been a little shaky this month. Uh, Listen, I think the Braves lineup is so good. They are a little bit vulnerable to high fastballs. And that's why I like the Milwaukee matchup against Atlanta. They're very average against high fastballs, that, that Braves offense. But, again, I think it's so good, that offense. You're going to have to outscore Atlanta. And and I see the path to anybody taking out the Braves is the one the Phillies carved out last year. Get out ahead against their starting pitchers. What do you see from the Braves? Yeah, uh, that's that's a great analysis right there, 100%. Um, you know, I've been following the, their pitching more recently, too, and it has been struggling a bit. Um, that lineup is is <laughs> solid is not an appropriate word. It's not even close. <laughs> uh, they're, they're really good, and they could run. They create havoc on the bases. They do a lot of things well, absolutely. But like you're saying, in, in the postseason, a hot pitching staff could beat a really good hitting ball club, I believe. And I think, again, like you're saying, with Milwaukee's a perfect example of a team that's capable of doing that. Their, their record is not going to be close to Atlanta's record. However, uh, that group of pitchers that they have can shut down this team in that short series. It's going to be a matter of catching the ball, executing, 
uh, that's that's playoff baseball. There there may have to be um, more small ball being played. The ability to do little different things that uh, can contribute to winning. But yeah, you're right on with that whole thing. It's the, it's the way to pitch them. Um, the elevated fastball. Uh, I'm telling you, breaking ball strike that just gets killed, uh, and you don't really want to go there. And these are the things. This is this is to me where a really good analytical group comes into play to identify exactly. Uh, were to not go in this particular moment. I would be sitting next to Borzello in the dugout with the Cubs, Mike, and uh, knew specifically what I thought, and then would just reaffirm it with what he thought regarding the pitch planning. Sometimes guys go rogue, and they think that they know and they don't know, and catchers all of a sudden might have a feel, which, again, I'm not opposed to, but there's some things that are black and white, really uh, specifically when it comes down to how to pitch to certain hitters. And uh, if there's a weakness there, stay with it. Don't think that you're going to fool them. Like I used to tell guys, don't ever think that you got Vladdy, uh, Vladimir Guerrero set up for a breaking ball. Don't ever think you do. Don't ever think that. If you think that, just throw that thought away immediately. It's not true. So there's certain guys that are like that where, regardless if you think you got them set up for something, if their history tells you they're, that they, they don't do well against this other thing, don't come off it. Don't come off it, man, because it's that's the one time they're going to hurt you. And all it takes it takes one big blow to turn that whole vibe around with your pitching staff and the whole vibe around for the, that group of hitters. So I think this is a time when a well-devised plan does matter and then stay with it and execute. Yeah, great point, Joe. I'm with you on uh, breaking balls in the zone to this Braves team. <laughs> you're, not, you're just not going to, to beat them doing that. I did go back and look. There's six teams this year that won the season series against the Braves. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays, Astros, Cubs, White Sox, Red Sox, and A's. In those 19 games, those teams went 15-4 and against Atlanta. They held the Braves to a 127 batting average on high fastballs. So that's something to keep in mind as we do see that incredible Braves offense. They're going to have the highest slugging percentage of all time. That's how good the Atlanta Braves are. Hey, Joe, we're going to take a quick break here, but when we get back, I want to test your memory. I want to dive a little more into what it takes to get your team ready for October. And let's turn the clock back to... 2008 with the Rays, and a little bit farther, 2002 with the Angels. Back in a minute. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. People don't always realize just how much their negative thoughts and experiences stick with them and weigh them down. You may find your brain constantly running through a highlight reel of bad moments. That comment your friend made last week that hurt your feelings. That frustrating thing your mom does. Or that silly thing you said in a meeting. Maybe it's time to get it all off your chest. Whether it's a tiny annoyance or something much bigger, talking about it can give you some relief and lead you to a potential solution. That's where therapy comes in. It's a safe space to share whatever's weighing you down and learn to process it so your internal highlight reel can focus on the good stuff. And BetterHelp offers affordable online therapy on a schedule that works for you. Connect with a licensed therapist by text, phone, or video call. Start the process in minutes and switch therapist anytime. Let it out with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Book of Joe today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Book of Joe. Do you love Selena? Like, really love Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. 
And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast. To start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Joe, the 2008 Rays surprised everybody except you, I guess. Um, Take me down the stretch with that team. Because uh, you ha- you lost the lead in September, right? You went from five and a half up down to a half a game lead. You were actually tied with 14 games left in the season after taking a five-game lead into September. You finished a month 13 and 14, but you won at the right time. Those last 14 games, you went nine and five. So what was the key to that team? Obviously, it was still learning how to win, quote-unquote. What was the, t- the key to holding that team together for those last 14 games? I'm telling you, man, it, it, the biggest thing to me, and I hope that this is going to be kind of ephemeral, it's just don't change anything. You don't change anything. You don't show any kind of panic to the group. I don't want more information. I actually want less information. I don't want more work. I want less work. Um, I don't want a whole bunch of people running around the locker room. I want the day to be the exactly the same. Uh, don't add on. This is the last time. This is the last thing you want to do at this time of the year is to add new things and give these guys uh, different things to think about or make them uncomfortable in their environment. I want same or less uh, this time of the year. And that's what we did. And I know specifically having those conversations and I'll tell you, it's, it's born of uh, the angels uh, in the latter part of the 19, 1990s. Uh, we, were, we were close several times. We were close and Maddie Keogh was our advanced scout. And all of a sudden, and I was, I was in charge of distribution of information and Maddie would just start, you know, piling on, giving me more stuff to do. And I thought at that time, wow, because we got even more information. I got to make sure that these guys get all of this stuff. And then I finally realized, man, they can't, they can't deal with this. We, we were not good in the latter part of, of those seasons and kind of faded away always. And part of it was, I thought we changed our methods, changed our game plan and also try to accelerate the amount of information given. After all, we've been playing these guys all year. We've had our meetings all year. And at this time of the season, it comes down to players playing really well and better than the other side, other teams. And in order to do that, I want them to be totally at ease with the, the pace or the beat of the day and don't add anything new to it. So that was it. So 2002 with the Angels, I knew that. 
And I was really big on that. I would say, listen, no more, no more Intel, Intel, no more info. Let's do the same things we've been doing. Of course, social's in charge of that. But I was in charge of a lot of distribution of the information at that point. I was the analytical department almost by, my, by myself primarily. And then, of course, the position coaches, whether it was Mickey or Buddy Black, Ron Renneke, spectacular, great mind for the game, uh, et cetera, and, and uh, Primo uh, Alfredo for the infielder. So, yeah, you, you keep doing what you're doing. I think the threat is that you feel like you have to do more. And I think the groups that feel like they have to do more almost always fall into that trap. You don't. You do less. Keep them keep them uh, healthy and, and, and rested. Those are the big things. So when we get to the 2008 Rays going into that uh, moment, that's all I was thinking about. Don't add on. Keep it simple. Don't make it any different than what it had been before. We got on, you know, we got on this wonderful run. And don't forget, too, we had two seven-game losing streaks that season. One right before the All-Star break. I don't remember exactly when the other one was. And I think the Baltimore Orioles is the other team that had won a World Series by having two seven-game losing streaks in the same season. So all these things are in play. The point is, don't add on. Don't try to do something differently. Don't think you have to be smarter. Uh, make sure the sense of humor is still there. Make sure the pace of the rhythm of the day is still there. Don't let that be impacted by changing everything up because you think you need to in order to be uh, a winner in this situation. Joe, I want to circle back to those O2 Angels in a minute, but I want to follow up on something you mentioned about information and so much of it uh, and something you once told me about in today's game. Obviously, there's a lot more information to be had and to be available than back when you were doing uh, the information for the Angels. So you once told me about as the games get more important and as teams get better, the intrusion of information begins to increase. Mm-hmm. Um, so that seems to be counterproductive to what you were talking about, about how players win games, let them play, and don't overload them with information. Um, take us inside sort of that mentality that now these these beefed-up front offices have do have so much access to so much more information. They actually get more involved as the games get bigger. Correct. And, and just think about it. if you hire a bunch of analysts to be analysts, what they do is they analyze. And so you get to that point of the year that everybody thinks that we need more intel than the other side in order to win, and that's not true. You need better baseball players to win. You need better rested baseball players to win. You need better baseball players that are not making mental mistakes and know how to cope with the intensity of the moment in order to win baseball games that time of the year. So, again, this is something, uh, again, that I learned from the Angels before 2000 to the 2002 Angels and on uh, forward, but it's just that you have – the ability to create so much information. And quite frankly, uh, there's so much of it. There's just a dab of it that's pertinent to that day that are nuggets that can, that can be helpful to the players in particular. Now I was never, you could give me as much information as you want as a manager, as a coach before, uh, you know, a couple of days before the game, give it to me, go ahead. And then it's up to me, us to then turn it over to the players Again, in, in form of nuggets, things that they can digest, things that are not going to become overwhelming, things that are not going to become intrusive. When it's hot, it's a hot moment in a baseball game uh, or in a football game or basketball game. Uh, you cannot be thinking of, of uh, anything other than uh, the moment. You have to be involved in the moment. You have to permit your instincts to take over. It's about competition and beating the other person. It's not going rifling through this mental Rolodex of information that you could uh, access in the moment and all of a sudden it's going to be helpful. That stuff needs to be done before the game. 
And again, it needs to be uh, consolidated to the point where it's not intrusive and complicated. So that's what I've learned. Do simple better. That's that's a derivative of that. One of the shirts I made several years ago, and I do believe in that concept. Everybody believes convoluted, complex is the answer in regards to solving problems or in this situation winning baseball games. I think it's exactly the opposite. I think do simple better is the correct concept. Uh, yes, I want the info and the intel. I just talked about it with the pitching, uh, knowing that the Atlanta Braves do not hit elevated fastballs well. That's that's a that's a byproduct of a good analyst coming up with that. And and then after that, you have to convince your your catcher and your pitcher that listen, I know you want to throw something else, and I I know you don't think you could keep throwing them fastballs, but I'm telling you right now, it's true. And if you throw them a breaking ball, make sure it bounces outside of the the zone and the dirt, whatever, where they can't reach it and get back to what works. These are This is where analytics is helpful. Just a nugget like that. No more complicated than that. Reduce, 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 simplify. Do simple better is your best method this time of the year. Circling back to where I started, right, that, you know, how you play in September, really, you can, it doesn't have a direct effect. In fact, October to me, Joe, is its own season, and it can change on a dime. Right. Especially, listen, there's more off days in the postseason. So the rhythm of the games, how you use your relief pitchers, it's all different from the 162 game season. So it may comfort fans when their team is playing well in September to say, hey, our team is going into the postseason the right way. We're hot. Uh, I, a couple of examples for you on teams that can turn it on a dime. Uh, famously, the 15 Royals, right? They were 15 and 17 in September. Mm-hmm. They're losing the wild card game to Oakland. Ned Yost is probably going to get fired. Uh, and they come back on Oakland, win that game, and they can't be stopped. They win the World Series. And your 0-2 Angels team, let's mm-hmm. go back there again, Joe, okay? Mm-hmm. Because that team had a one-game lead in the division with 11 games to play. The Angels then proceed to lose seven of the next nine games and somehow get it together to win the last two to sneak in as the wild card. They go to New York for the first game of the division series and have a 5-4 lead in the eighth inning, two outs, bases empty. And then it goes walk, walk, single, grand slam, Angels lose. And that team went on to win the World Series. <laughs> I mean, come on. That's the team that blew a division lead, blew a eighth inning lead against the Yankees up by three with the bases empty and two outs, four outs to go, and still won the World Series. So, Joe, you've seen how this thing can change in October on a dime. That team there, you're talking about the 2002 Angels. That was that's just the, one of the grittiest groups I've ever been around. They, they were a bunch of tough guys. That that was a group of tough guys right there. And and I think Sosha's leadership had a lot to do with that because Mike, um, in a moment like that, uh, being through what he had been through before, uh, would not lose his mind or he would not uh, be defeated by that particular situation he had been through the wars before. He knows things can happen, and he was all about that. So is Mickey Hatcher. Uh, Mickey was really good about. Mickey gave one of the best speeches I've ever heard before a, a playoff game when he just he implored all of us, the the players, to just run hard. That was all he said. Just run hard. The one thing you don't want to do is embarrass yourself here. So if you just run hard, I promise you, things are going to work out well for you during this uh, playoff series. That was in the the little locker room. Uh, coach's room in Yankee, the old Yankee Stadium. So yeah, we that group had grit and the ability to come back to the point where that fifth game back at home there, uh, 
the I just remember seeing their players on the field absolutely defeated at the latter part of that game. They came back and then, of course, the rest is history. So you cannot give up. You, you got to you have to embed this among your group somehow and have them understand things are going to it's one of my preach uh, my speeches. Things are going to go bad. I promise you. During the course of this this series, this playoff series, some things something's going to go really crappy. It's going to go bad, and we cannot let that get us down, and we cannot let that one moment defeat us. And the Angel Group was really indicative of that. And the last point you just mentioned it. Uh, you talked about October. Uh, one of my lines always was September provides its own energy, and of course, so does October. It's about getting there. Everybody talks about the dog days of August. Uh, you got to get through that. And once you do, that next month, it's there. You just plug into September, plug into October, and there's the energy you've been looking for, man. But you got to work really hard to get there. And when you get a gritty group like the 2002 Angels, good stuff happened. Well, let's talk about the wild card this year in the National League, Joe, because we're down to about a dozen games for these teams. we got five teams separated by two games, and obviously only three mm-hmm. can get into the tournament. Wow. So – if you're a manager of one of these teams, basically you're in playoff mode right now, right? Absolutely. Tell me about how you prepare your team and how you run these games, knowing your season comes down to the last dozen games. One game winning streaks, man. We need a bunch of one game winning streaks. It starts with that. I really try to reduce it to one. That would be a, a mantra that I would carry uh, as I'm walking around the locker room, making sure that each coach, uh, when they have their specific meetings, really emphasize it's just about tonight. It's not about yesterday. Can We can't control that. We cannot control tomorrow. It comes down to tonight, one thing at a time. Um, with the Again, with the distribution of information, nothing's different. I don't, want, I don't want early report times. I don't want anything different than we've been doing all season long. That has to, I, I like even um, as much as we can the same times. Like what time do you get there? Uh, what time are the meetings? How long are the meetings? Everything about that day, I want it to be specifically exactly how it had been during the course of the year. Listen, I'll just mention his name. I had the luxury of having Tim Buss in um, Chicago. Buss, he was the strength and conditioning guy, but Buss, he was also my vice president of stuff and hysterical. And his humor, his ability to keep guys um, from getting over the top nervous um, or over analytical was great. You need people like that in your clubhouse. It don't need, you don't need um, Albert Einstein down there, man. You need, you know, you need guys like Tim Buss. You need, you need Jason Hayward. You need Johnny Lester, guys that have been through a little bit before. And you need this, this, this uh, calmness about the group. And if they, if the, if the entire group senses any kind of panic and just for lack of a better word, or uh, you, you feel like you have to apply more in order to get this done, I, it's not going to work. It doesn't work. Do simple, better, same, same, same every day. Don't change anything. Maintain your sense of humor. And I, and that's it. If you have good players, you're going to win. If they go out there, they could breathe. You're going to win. And if they can't, you're not. Vice president of stuff. I love that title. Yeah. Hopefully he yeah, got himself yeah, yeah. business cards with that title on it. I made T-shirts, I mean, sweatshirts, hoodies with that on it. And also a hat that was dedicated to him that every player uh, in the locker room got to wear. VP hmm. of stuff. Hey, we're going to take a quick break, talk more about the dog days, the pennant race. It's nitty-gritty time right now in the baseball season. We'll talk about that a little bit more when we get back. 
you love Selena? Like, really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals, Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday, at the very least, as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Welcome back to the Book of Joe podcast. Joe, one time I was think, talking to Brian Jordan. You remember him? He played in the NFL and played for the Atlanta Braves. Oh, yeah. And he talked about how this time of year was exciting, not just because the Braves seemed like they were in the postseason every year, but the football player in him would come out. He once told me, I feel like hitting somebody this time of year every year. It's like, I'm sure you must feel that a little bit as the air starts to turn. There's football on TV now. It's It's got a different vibe to it. I mean, I, I know it doesn't take you away from – you know, your, your baseball activities, but yeah, there's something about the rhythm to a season, isn't there? Yeah. So and I would sit, you know, Mike, Mike's from Chester down by Philadelphia. So we grew up close to one another. Actually, he's a little bit younger than me, uh, but we would giggle behind the batting cage. And one day I said to him, Sosh, this smells like football weather. Yeah. And, you know, Sosh typically looked at me and says, no, no, it's playoff weather. And I love that. So from that moment on, we just dubbed this time of the year as playoff weather. But you're right. I mean, there's a difference to it. There's a, The sun's different. The lighting's different. The way it's setting, the days are becoming shorter again. The coolness starts creeping in. And it does. It does feel like you're going to hit somebody. It does feel like uh, football season. 
especially up here in northeastern Pennsylvania. Went out to dinner the other night. The place was parking lot was packed because the high school football team was playing. It's great stuff, man. It's great stuff. But yeah, you uh, part of it. Part of the interesting or the fun part about it is you play, you win on a Sunday, and you hustle inside to say your football team's doing. <laughs> and guys have, are really involved in uh, fantasy football this time of the year, and that's and it's a great diversion. Don't become conflicted with this. It's a, we need diversions in order to keep our sanity. Uh, fantasy football is a great diversion. However, I stopped playing it because I started rooting for players that were not on my Arizona or St. Louis Cardinals or Arizona Cardinals. So I stopped doing that because I was conflicted in who to root for. But it's really it's really a lot of fun, uh, and especially when you're doing well. So, uh, yeah, it, it's all it all conspires this time of the year, man. It's a great time of the year, the confluence of football and baseball working together. Yeah, and we're seeing a lot of young players now because the game is is turning younger here, going through their first pennant races. And, and Joe, you had such a young team in 2016. You did have the experience of 15, though. Mm -hmm. um, I'm curious, as a manager, mm -hmm. what you try to pick up in terms of body language, approaches, the way they carry themselves. When young players are in September in pennant races for the first time, because um, it seems to me veteran players, you know, they've been there, done that thing does come into play. They know how to handle big situations, mm -hmm. uh, stick to their routines. As you said, they don't change anything. What do you look for from young players? Their eyeballs. Uh, I'm, I'm big on eyeballs. Um, you could see when a guy starts spinning a little bit or starts after a bad moment, getting so introspective that uh, it's going to impact them uh, next play, next at bat, whatever. Uh, I just try to like mosey up to him, not not um, in, in, a, in a manner that's going to be uh, very aware to him, but just to get up there and just try to check in, maybe even talk about something else when he's on deck or in the hole. Just just say something stupid to him, just to get his mind off of a, the, that grinding moment that he's he's going through. So I would always look in their eyeballs, and you know where they're at. But quite frankly, uh, you know, like you just mentioned that group with the Cubs in particular was so balanced. I mean, yeah, we were the youngest, I think the youngest team to win a World Series from what I, had, I think I had heard, but you had, you know, KB and Addy and um, and Javi out there simultaneously. And Rizzo was not very old at that point either. And Jason Hayward, you know, you had Almora play. You had a lot of young guys out there. But then you have Johnny Lester uh, doing his thing. And Johnny, Johnny can never, you can never underestimate, you know, Johnny wasn't really outspoken, but he set a great example. David Ross, Mickey Matero. We had this nice balance. So, for me, it's about looking at eyeballs, and that'll tell you everything. It'll tell you, you know, I don't know, body language could be deceptive, but, you know, if you're really reading people, if you've done it your whole life, you know, you know when somebody needs a little bit of a check-in, you give them a check-in. But then if you have veteran players like that, they definitely, um, these other dudes will look at these guys, and these guys could actually lead by example at this point. So I love a balance. I love, I, yeah, I love youth for the energy. But then you you want the long and the tooth guys with the experience to not get over amped or uh, over uh, negative, overtly negative when things don't go well. And that's it really it's such a wise way to do things. And um, that's that's what I loved about the sixteen Cubs. <laughs> Joe, you just remind me of a funny story from Dusty Baker. Uh, he once was talking to Bo Schembechler, of course, the famous Michigan football coach, mm -hmm. and just asked him one day. He said, Coach. You know, how do you know which guy to play at linebacker there? Which that that young kid or the the senior who's been there a couple of years, but the young kids? How do you know which guy to play? And he said, "Simple. I look him in the eye." <laughs> so there is still something yeah. to that. <laughs> it's true, man. I mean, uh, you know, people 
that have never done it will dispute that, and uh, they're going to want to go uh, read, you know, uh, analytically try to figure it out. It's a human game. It's about human beings. It's about breathing in the moment. It's about slowing things down. It's about uh, being able to recreate what you do um, in batting practice or in a very calm situation when everything, the lights are on, everything's amped up a bit, that you're able to recreate all those same body movements. But you got a little bit of an adrenaline flow right now, man, which really uh, enables you to do things that you had not been able to do before. That's what it really comes down to. That's not spoken about enough. And that's why teams right now, you're going to see a group that really just takes off. And uh, a lot of it has to do with their ability to breathe and and, and slow things down and really um, be able, like I said, replicate, recreate what they normally do physically in a non-stressful moment, in a bullpen, in batting practice at uh, 4.30 or 4, let's just say 4 o'clock early work. And then here comes 7.05 or 7.10, whatever it might be. And, and now you got to do it in front of every everybody, and now it matters and it counts. That's really the secret to this whole thing. And how do you get your players to uh, process all this to the point where they're able to be themselves, be them when it really matters most? All right, I'm going to put you on the spot now, Joe, as it relates to the Chicago Cubs. Love it. And uh, one of your players, of course, David Ross, is running that team. He's got a pretty young team. Mm-hmm. He, he, there's a, a few veterans sprinkled in there, but for the most part, especially with his pitching, he's got a lot of pitchers who are beyond their professional high innings or and or are pitching in a pennant race for the first time. That team seemed to have a lock on a playoff spot, and they frittered that away. They have not played well the last couple of weeks. The walls start closing in a little bit. Um, they have a lot of tiebreakers that work against them, which is not a small thing because remember, folks, if there's a tie for playoff spots, they do not play tiebreaker games. It goes to first your head-to-head record against that team if it's a two-way tie or if it's a multiple-team tie or if the head-to-head record is tied, it goes to your record within the division. And the Cubs lose a lot of those tiebreakers, so they have to be free and clear in the playoff spot and not tied with the team. So, Joe, you know, put yourself in Rossi's shoes right now. You've got a team trying to to get to the finish line, struggling the last couple of weeks. They were great the last the, a couple of months before that, coming out of the All Star break. How do you make sure this team finishes strongly, or you know, at least puts the wheels back on and makes a little bit of a run? Hit that pressure release valve. Um, that could be like a little team gathering after a game on the road. Um, it could even be if, if, if the schedule is not setting up appropriately and we got to do this at home, figure out something at home. But it's got to be something that uh, I, I like. Again, uh, uh, a, a group a group situation, whether it's dinner, whether it's a – what we did, um, I've done that in St. Louis a couple years ago. Um, we just met down by the pool at the hotel after a game just to hang out, just to hang out, be there, the chance to talk, socialize. They see me there under those circumstances. The coaches will be there uh, to have, you know, have a beer or two, whatever it might take to just let the air out a little bit. Uh, just that kind of a social situation. It could have been, I mean, for me, people don't realize that, but um, uh, after we were down three to one going to Cleveland, it was Halloween. And I wear this really god-awful suit on the airplane. Um, on the bus with this this Halloween suit, you know, blood and uh, knives and all kinds of stuff on it, just to be get into the Halloween spirit. But to 
take yourself seriously, but never too seriously. So I would do something like that. Nothing. It says nothing to do with more work. Like I'm saying, this is not about a time for more information and, and not the time definitely not to start breaking things down. It's something, to, again, whatever you can do to, to hit that, re, that pressure valve and where you release it, go there. And that would be up to you in order to how to get that done. For me, perfect to be on the road. On the road after a, a night game, game over, everybody required, come down, uh, you know, the, the hotel bar, whatever, and get in there and just let's socialize, let's talk this thing through, get everybody to relax a little bit. That's the way to do this. Sorry if anybody disagrees with that, uh, but more work's not going to get it done if you're if you're really struggling like that. Yeah, it reminds me of what the Giants did recently. They've had a tough couple of weeks, like the Cubs, and they had a tough series in Colorado. Yeah, and on their way back home from a long road trip from Colorado back to San Francisco, uh, actually to Arizona, they were going to continue the trip. Uh, they had a Barbie movie dress up day. Perfect. And. Listen, it put a lot of smiles on people's faces. They did win the getaway game, which is, as you know, is always good. Makes for a happy plane ride. But I still, I like hearing when things like that happen, where guys are still put a smile on their faces and, and don't change their demeanor based on the one lost record. You got to shake it up, man. It's it's tough. There's enough pressure being applied from so many different uh, avenues, situations, directions. And so your job is to do the exact opposite. How do you repel that? How do you get these guys back to being themselves? How do you get them to go out there and basically kind of say, screw it, I'm out here to play. Uh, let the ships fall where they may. Uh, everybody cares. I mean, don't, don't be ever deceived that people don't care or not. Believe me, everybody cares. Everybody really cares a lot. And sometimes that could be misconstrued. They do. They do. But you care so much sometimes and you don't know how to channel this that you could actually be your own worst enemy at this particular juncture of the year. Uh, so again, humanize it, uh, pressure release valve. We got to let that steam out of there somehow. Use your own imagination. I always rely on my own imagination. I try to read, um, <clears throat> you know, the the cars, what was going on. And again, I had the benefit of having the VP of stuff, uh, Bussy, the perfect re- uh, pressure release valve. These things are important for a team to be successful. And I promise every major league team that's won a World Series, go back and ask them about the guys that kept it loose when it really got tight. Uh, those guys are invaluable. I love it. Hey, Joe, we'll take one more quick break. And when we get back, we will wrap up our special edition on September crunch time. Be right back. Do you love Selena? Like really love? Whether you saw her live, saw the movie as a kid, or saw her looks all over TikTok, there's no shortage of reasons to stand the Queen of Tejano. And Stan, we do over three whole episodes of our podcast, Becoming an Icon. We're reminiscing as lifelong Selena fans, sharing hot takes and telling her story. Listen to Becoming an Icon on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search Becoming an Icon. The Nikki Glaser Podcast. Her roast of Tom Brady stole the show. Now she's talking about it on the latest episode of the Nikki Glaser Podcast. I said, tell Tom Brady that I'm the Tom Brady of roasting. Lots of people roasted the goat, but only Nikki is still being talked about. Every time I refresh my DMs, it's 14 blue check marks of people I didn't even know who knew me are writing like paragraphs to me. Hear that in all episodes of the Nikki Glaser Podcast on America's number one podcast network, iHeart. Open your free iHeart app and search the Nikki Glaser Podcast to start listening. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. 
Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. What's up, everybody? This is Stephen A. Smith. When I'm not at my day job, first tape, you can find me in my studio hosting the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast. Tune in every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday at the very least as I bring you all new episodes that feature the biggest headlines in the world of sports, pop culture, business, and politics. You'll hear my unfiltered opinions on those nauseating Cowboy fans, the chaos in Washington, D.C., and trending topics on social media, as well as my straight-shooter interviews with top celebrities and game changers. And I occasionally give out love advice. Yes, it's true. If you want to know my true feelings about something, I'll give it to you straight. So listen to the Stephen A. Smith Show podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcast. Well, Joe, I mentioned that National League wildcard race, and it's so a little bit less crazy in the American League, but it's still good. I've been waiting for a year like this for a while. We have multiple teams taking this thing down to the last weekend of the season where it's win or go home. As I mentioned, no more tiebreaker games. Yes, you mentioned probably 85 wins get you into the postseason in the National League which, you know, let's face it, it's not exactly a juggernaut, not great teams, but I do like the fact that we've got some real live races down here at the end for teams especially hungry for postseason baseball like the Cubs, like the Diamondbacks, like the Reds, like the Marlins. I, I think we're set up for a great finish. And I, Like I said, I've been waiting for this ever since we went to the uh, expanded playoffs back in 95. I totally agree with that. To keep fan bases um, engaged, involved at this particular juncture by, by expanding the playoffs. I like all that. I do. And furthermore, just among the players themselves, uh, baseball players getting opportunities to play later in the year and understand what that feels like. The mind once stretched has a difficult time going back to its original form. Once you've stretched people, they're going to want this. This is the baseball drug on an annual basis. I want to be in the playoffs. If I got to go home and watch this stuff on TV, I'm not a very good guy to be around at that point in the year. So I do. I agree with you. I love all of that. That this that is one of the rule changes I do really dig on. Uh, is it does it does it keeps everybody engaged longer and it promotes our game uh, on a on a on a wider scale. I get it and I love all that part about it. And yes, to see old teams that are now uh, new in a sense getting a chance to be involved in a playoff, wonderful. God, I'd love to see Cincinnati involved in this somehow. That'd be so cool. Orioles are already in there. Yeah, I've been watching the Cubbies. They got a lot of exciting stuff going on there. Yes, love to see that. There's a lot of that going on, um, and it is good for baseball. And yes, uh, you're absolutely 100 percent right. Uh, like all of this, Joe. You know, after listening to you, and his stuff has been great here. Um, I'm more convinced than ever that this time of year, especially, managers matter oh, yeah. because what you've been talking about here is, is keeping the right atmosphere in the clubhouse. Um, whether it's using people like Tim Bussey, yourself, or whoever it may be. Uh, but it also means managing games a little bit differently. You know, you got yourself, as you mentioned, to the point late in the year where guys have not been overworked, 
or maybe now you can push them. Maybe ask your closer to get four outs instead of three outs. Uh, maybe use a relief pitcher for a third straight day because it's literally day by day at this point, win by win, game by game. Um, so as much as managers seem to be a little bit marginalized in terms of the power structure of the game, mm-hmm. I still believe that this time of year, I'm talking about the end of the season and especially in October, that guy in the dugout, that guy running the team, making the ultimate decisions really does still matter as much as he ever has. Uh, you're right. Again, uh, totally agree with that concept. Um, uh, it, it's, it's just happening so fast. And whether it's a best out of five or a best out of seven, uh, when you get to those, those uh, games that from if you're one, one, you want to get to two and one, or if it's uh, three and three and you got to win that game because there's no eighth game, man, there's a lot going on in your head in that particular point. And you can't rely on somebody else informing you. I, I just know from my own experience, my mind is so charged up. I am, I'm absolutely so far ahead of that particular moment that's going on in the field and that whether it's the, the bottom of the third with two outs, I'm already in the fifth inning. I might be even in the sixth inning. And you're counting your batting order, who's coming up next. And back when it was an actual National League game, that even added more layers to it. And I know people poo-poo that, but I promise you, be a National League manager in a National League playoff game or a National League uh, a World Series game where the National League team was the home team. A lot going on there, folks. One to pinch hit for your guy, your pitcher, how long do you leave him in there, uh, the double switch component of it, who goes here, who goes there. Believe me, it is uh, a much more difficult game to manage than the game right now where it's just the DH only. There's not as many um, built-ins uh, that you have to be creative with, even down to the point where we're making defensive switch. I loved all of that. I was exhausted after those games when you have to sit there and really project in advance what may happen and then what you may have to do and how to use this bullpen and who's going to be the pinch runner, who's where's the defensive replacement. How are you going to pop them in the batting order? All this stuff matters. So, uh, again, you're right. Um, it is. It's It's more uh, – it's amplified right now, no question, regarding the importance of the manager. Uh, and I kind of love all of that, as you know. Uh, but believe me, man, when you're done managing a playoff game or a World Series game, you are exhausted. You feel as though you've played, and especially when you've won an accelerating game. Because sometimes when you lose that, you go back to your room or your hotel room and you beat, you beat yourself up unmercifully you will when you win it you are charged up just as though you got the winning hit or the walk-off homer a mental and physical grind it is that time of year but it's the kind you absolutely love right it's uh mm-hmm. adrenaline is a beautiful thing it is you need it man you need it you need the adrenaline you need um self-confidence you need as you're talking as a manager you need to believe in what you know and you have to believe in your method during the course of the game. I'm serious. It's not It's not like you wind somebody up, throw them out there, and all of a sudden things just happen. This is stuff that has to be thought about well in advance. And you have to be prepped for that moment. When that moment occurs, you got to take advantage of that moment. You can't let it fly by. And then you go, oh, my God, I wish I had done this. Everything is so – the timing is so critical to the victory or not. And again, I just know from my own experience, I, uh, having done it as long as I did was really important to me. Having done it so often or for many years in the minor leagues was so important to me. All these things uh, are come rushing to the forefront in that moment when you have to make this decision. Um, and you don't worry about whether it's going to be wrong or not. 
That's that's not that should never be part of your decision making process. You do what you think is right in the moment. And sometimes it doesn't work. It's true. But you have to do what you think is right in the morning in the moment, independent of any potential criticism that may come your way if it doesn't work. That's just the way this thing is. So confidence in your decision making ability, knowing what you believe matters. Some people don't even know what they believe. Baseball is the best game on earth, and it's never better than it is right now. It is the season of urgency. It is wonderful to see how this is going to play out in the next last week and a half of the regular season. Uh, Joe, you got something to take us out, speaking of uh, putting a cap on things? Yeah, we talked about pressure. We talked about don't permit the uh, pressure to exceed the pleasure. Here's a different take on it from Mr. Mark Twain. Uh, Do the thing you fear most, and the death of fear is certain. Do the thing you fear most, and the death of fear is certain. I always encourage people to do that. Do it if there's something I really don't want to do, whether it's because I don't want to do it or because I'm kind of fearful of it. I got to do it. I make myself do that. And you don't. I didn't. Wasn't like that from the very beginning. I had to grow into that. You cannot be truly successful. You cannot grab the brass ring. You cannot do any of that if you do not uh, pretty much bury your fears. So when I read that, I thought that was perfect for today. And and it just really dovetails everything we just talked about. I love that. And you can't go wrong with Mr. Samuel Clemens. He's on the Mount Rushmore of American wisdom and humor. Nice going, Joe. Amen, brother. Thank you, buddy. The Book of Joe podcast is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It's a simple truth. No matter who you are, mental health challenges can affect you, and how you manage them can make all the difference. That's why everyone should have access to mental health support that meets them where they are and helps them get through. BetterHelp provides online therapy on your schedule. It's flexible, simple to use, and more affordable than in-person therapy. Connect with a licensed therapist selected just for you. Learn more at BetterHelp.com. That's BetterHelp.com. MTV's official Challenge podcast is back for another season. And so are we. I'm Tori Deal. And I'm Anissa Ferreira. The wait is over, guys. All Stars 4 is finally here. And this season takes it to a whole new level. Old school legends, modern power players, and ex-lovers are all competing in Cape Town, South Africa for the prize of $300,000. And we're going to be right here along with you fans covering every episode on the podcast. Listen to MTV's official challenge podcast on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying... A, a podcast! podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love Love at First first Listen. Listen. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. With new segments, correspondence, and a new sound. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Dura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. More Than a Movie is back with Season 2. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week, I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. 
to the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.